Welcome to the Table Stakes Podcast, presented by Xenial, where we discuss the business and technology issues affecting enterprise restaurant brands. I'm your host, Andy Grindstaff, restaurant enthusiast, technology optimist, and one of the product leads here at Xenial. As we've navigated the COVID-19 pandemic, we've all changed how we do things, whether it's ordering groceries or restaurant food for delivery, or visiting the drive-through rather than the dining room. Our QSR customers have told us that they're thinking about ways to automate aspects of their operation, whether it's to speed up drive-through service or to manage rising costs. To talk about the topic of automation, I'm excited to have with me today, Chris Siefkin, Xenial's Head of Technology. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Andy, thanks for having me. And also, we got Scott Meyer, the president of Xenial. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for having me, Andy. All right. So, you know, we, we had this idea to talk about automation in the QSR industry. And um, that's a word, automation, that gets thrown around quite a bit. And it means a lot of different things to, you know, the QSR and fast casual industry. Um, so I think it, it would be good to start this today's discussion on, you know, what we really kind of consider automation in the QSR and fast casual industry. What, what are some like key factors that are driving an interest in this idea of automation? And what, what do you really see that, you know, taking shape as in reality? Chris, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think there's a few things, right? A lot of people started, start out thinking about automation from a kitchen perspective, and that's certainly a key piece of the puzzle. Um, as much as you can automate in the kitchen, obviously, has a direct impact on the food and labor costs that you have in the restaurant. But we've seen automation come in lots of other ways that maybe you don't more traditionally think about, like online ordering, uh, delivery, integration with DoorDash and Uber Eats. And then uh, most recently, we're looking at automation from the drive-through attendant perspective in the voice uh, conversation itself. So I think automation is going to start meaning a lot more things to a lot more people um, just outside of the kitchen where we've historically seen attempts at automation in the past. And Scott, to that point, you know, what, what kinds of other conversations have we seen from, from clients? You know, as you've been talking with, with folks in the industry, what, what, are some, what are some things that people are coming and asking you for since you know, the start of COVID that you haven't seen yet? Like, is there anything that you want to drill down on that you think is really interesting there? Well, yeah, outside of what Chris referenced, which is inside the store, inside the kitchen, the change is there. I mean, we're, we're so far outside the restaurant than we had, we've ever been before. I, I've said to a number of folks in the last two years, I've seen more innovation than in the last 10 easily inside the drive-through alone um, and in the ability to, to do things outside the drive-through. So the technology and the changes that have come our way, you know, if you can't expand outside the store uh, as a concept, as a brand, you're, you're behind. So we haven't even, and we'll get into, I'm sure, some of the specific technologies, but we're talking about from the point that a car even gets in the general vicinity of a store to the, to the time that they place the order and the experiences they come either uh, inside as the pandemic rises and they're allowed back inside or through the drive-through, the experience is completely different than what they experienced only a handful of years ago. Everything is different. I think it's uh, it's definitely changed the perspective. I think there's a few things happening, right? And and the advent of of the labor market, um, you know, some of the customers we talk to are, are commenting on the realities of getting people to 
to come to uh, restaurants that are perhaps in urban areas and, and, you know, the, the reality of the wage situation in some of those urban areas is that, that the, uh, the folks that work there that are employed there can't even live there. And so the question of cost of transportation and so on has, has a dramatic impact on who they're able to hire and how. And so all forms of automation, both before the order arrives and after the order gets there, I think are going to become more and more interesting as we, as we move forward. You know, I think it's interesting, you know, some of the other things that have been associated with automation and and I think Scott you might have touched on it a couple times, but do you consider like self-service ordering at a kiosk or even just some sort of way of automating payments? Do you, do you consider payments to be a form of automation as well? Th- those two things are those are those things you would kind of lump into this automation bucket? Yeah, and I like that you use, and I'll, I'll answer both, uh, but I'll start with the payments first and, and, and bundling solutions right now with payments, obviously with, with the advent of, of the cloud-based POS solutions that are out there like Xenio POS, we, we will now bundle that alongside of any type of a payment option that they have out there. If that's not combined together in many instances, you're behind. Uh, you have to have that solution combined. Yeah, and you had asked about the kiosk piece before, but I mean, one of the primary things we see in the labor market is is how do we give stores the ability to serve more with with the same or or less folks inside, right? So kiosks alone and some of the pilots we've been running, um, service times, they've dropped significantly. Order accuracy, if you've ever gone through a kiosk ex- experience, since it's the individual themselves, we've seen those complaints about order accuracy just in that pilot drop by 400%. Um, Average ticket price, the increase for upsell. And we'll get into AI, Chris and I will in a moment, specifically in the drive-thru. But AI, combined with the technology that we have right now, is driving those sales up per ticket. And that's just using a kiosk solution. And then the most, you know, we go through with labor scheduling at peak times. You're dropping a team member. Uh, If you can see a kiosk solution or multiple kiosks, uh, either on the counter or as you're walking in, it, it negates the need for that individual conversation and just going right to the pickup line as they're preparing. So as that comes back and people are more comfortable going inside the stores, inside the store, that automation is evident. And that's one of the biggest drivers of, of ROI that we see. Yeah, I think that's true outside as well. I think um, I think we'll see a lot of of automation occur with kiosks outdoors. And I think we're, we're probably in the precipice of some pretty substantial kiosk or outdoor kiosk um, innovation coming here over the next couple of years. And I think, you know, look, you could make arguments about how Uber was all about really payment. You know, the, the, the idea that you hop in the car, you, you already determined where you're going and how you're getting there um, and, and, take the ride sharing piece of the puzzle out of the equation. The fact that payment is handled for you, and you just step out and go that that's a fantastic thing. And I think, you know, a lot of the mobile apps um, that allow you to order ahead in, in the restaurant space are solving that same problem in that same way. And to the extent that we can accelerate or automate payment um, as a part of the solution in the drive-through, we're always exploring things like that. And so, you know, I think I think we'll look for more frictionless, more contactless opportunities in the drive-through, and in an attempt to try and expedite the solution. Um, again, you know, as the pandemic has progressed, and and we've seen co- you know customers become accustomed to uh, going through the drive-through as opposed to going to the restaurant. I think the question is really out there that are, are everyone's asking themselves: Do we? Do we build a, a dining room at all, or do we just expand our drive-through capabilities? Do we drive multiple 
uh, lanes into the drive through and, and create a, an order ahead lane only and, and those sorts of things, those expediting effects uh, are definitely out there. Uh, and have a and will have a pretty dramatic impact over the long range to come. So, you know, with that, you know, a line of people is is far different from a space perspective than a line of cars. You need a lot of real estate to make drive-throughs of of mass scale work. I think we've all experienced uh, traffic jams related to drive-throughs uh, before, and and the reality of that is that um, the faster that that the cars can be pumped through, the sooner we can recognize they're there. The sooner. Um, we can recognize somebody who's ordered ahead and get them their food and get them off of our property if if they're trying to leave. I mean, those are really important questions to answer and 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 help with to try and drive efficiency for locations. And and that goes back to that automation word, which again doesn't necessarily have to do with the kitchen itself, but perhaps uh, the consumer experience. And, and you know, the more cars you're able to get through, the more money you're able to make as a store and a brand, especially on peak time, because you really got to capitalize on those especially those those breakfast, lunch, dinner rushes, you know, the more you can get through in those times, the better overall for the for the brand. And Chris, you touched on something I think is really important because I'm I'm right with you there from a technology perspective. The value of Uber to me, at least from my chair, sure the ride sharing piece is is interesting. And I think it it it, it kind of creates its own, you know, demand and and a, a supply of of rides. That's good. But I think one of the things that Uber really hit on is the ease of payment for rides like that. If people remember before Uber what it was like to kind of put together a car service or hail a cab and deal with money, oh my gosh, it's a nightmare. It made you not want to have to deal with that. And for Uber to really streamline the, the payment process, you never even have to pull out your card or do anything. It's just automated. Uh, I think that is, was a game changer for people. And that ease, that, that reduction of friction um, was, I think, something that really lent to Uber being successful right away. I think it solved a problem that people hated, which was, you know, paying cabbies, tipping, all that kind of stuff. I think that that stunk. And so, you know, they really solved that. And so this kind of pivots to the, the next thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, we, you guys have just thrown out several pieces of the restaurant business that you guys are thinking about in terms of automation. And, and you know, we've all been to the trade shows, right? And we've all seen Flippy, the burger flipping robot. And, and a bunch of other, you know, stuff that people are coming out with. So there's going to be a lot of different perspectives on automation. But more than just what are people thinking about, I want to take your guys' expertise, because you guys have been doing this uh, for a long time. You guys have access to a lot of different discussions that are being had with many brands. So you guys have a, a really good view of what's going on. And the, the folks listening to this, I think, are going to really want to know your answers to what should a restaurant be looking at in terms of artificial intelligence? Because they can't look at everything, right? What are the one, two, three things that they should really be looking at that they might be missing um, in, in this whole, you know, all the marketing blitz of all the different AIs and artificial intelligence and automations and all the different things that they get bombarded with all the time? What are the technologies or areas that restaurant brands should be looking at? Scott, I think I want to start with you. Well, voice AI as a technology in and of itself, I'll start there. Um, and what Chris was saying before with as they redesign the drive-through experience, that's, that's, that's clearly evident. But the data that they're gathering from that AI experience is invaluable because that will drive uh, in a given region um, during a given day part, um, a given weather profile, exactly what works and what doesn't work. Uh, that type of analytics that's associated with that AI data is, is immediately gathered. And that's just voice AI. 
right? We're also talking about, because we have partnerships with many of the surveillance companies, is we have voice and then we call the vision AI, right? As cars are coming through, what's the experience? You know, you, you said this before, Andy, and I didn't want to pass up too much on it. You know, we can talk about all the two technologies, but some of the basic governing factors inside of a drive, it's still speed of service. You know, how are we getting cars through? And between those two technologies, between the voice AI gathering that information, that's one. But vision, what's the experience as they come through? To Chris's point, how much time are they spending as they go through on a pre-sell board? You see upsell on a pre-sell board. You'll get speed of service through the vision of that point to point. You know, there's only so many uh, loop detectors you can put inside of a drive-through, right? But the vision experience, and as as Chris and the team have have segmented that out, is we can see the experience from point to point inside of a drive-through to say, okay, gather that data associated with the success factors of a pre-sell board. And what was on the pre-sell board? Was there animation? Was it basic? Was it a more basic menu? It's all analytics. It's, it's all data that comes out of this. And, and giving that back to uh, a, a chief marketing officer or an operations officer or anybody inside of, uh, on the financial side in a given brand or a concept, it's just invaluable to them because now they know uh, what to order, when to order, uh, you know, the day part change, the changeovers, and, and that's work that we've seen. So you know, that's really been the, how we've defined a new, more powerful, powerful experience for the user. And I'm just scratching the surface, Chris. I, I, I probably forgot four or five things that we have on the roadmap right now that, um, you know, we haven't even got to. But uh, these are these are fantastic innovations. Chris, I, I think I'll throw it to you then because Scott touched on a couple of really good ones. What do you think brands should be focusing on from an automation perspective? I would probably put it in two categories, right? On the on the drive-through automation side, which is something we've been talking about here, I'll kind of continue continue that point. I think you know, voice recognition, understanding the quality of the conversation happening with the customer, even if you don't fully or not fully ready to have, say, uh, autonomous voice ordering, right? Full end-to-end -end voice ordering, um, but just to be able to listen to a customer and say, okay, I understand what's happening here, whether the customer you know, we feel like had a good or a bad experience just based on that, you know, standard analytics and then comparing that to check averages or, or those check totals that came through um, are important. I think, you know, the same thing's true of being able to understand whether or not your cashier upsold. Um, but then since we can get that voice data out in real time and do things with it, the ability to uh, suggest upsells to the cashier at the POS screen or suggest upsell items to the to the guest um, at the at the digital menu board or at the order confirmation board. I mean, all key pieces of the automation puzzle that I think have you know already shown dramatic increases to check averages and and helped out a lot. Um, the other thing that it, it allows us to do when you look at the vision component, um, I think we're going to see some pretty sophisticated opportunities there. You know, especially when you consider you've got digital orders order ahead. You've got um, orders that have come from your proprietary mobile apps or websites where you could collect a customer's car, make, model, and color, um, which would, would drive opportunity to identify that order before the customer identifies themselves to you. And then, you know, with Uber and DoorDash and others, we obviously already have car information and they're giving license plate information back to us. So we can actually say, hey, this is definitively an Uber driver. Um, and, and we can tell the Uber driver, for example, to avoid getting into the drive-through line where you might have sent them there as a way to get their food to start with and send them to a parking space if your drive-through is full. Um, 
you know, that, that uh, in conjunction with the automated order release uh, work that we've done in the delivery space where, you know, we're working directly with these delivery partners to say three minutes before that car is on location, drop the food. I mean, that is substantial innovation and that's automation out there, again, that you wouldn't maybe think of when you think of Flippy, the, the, the robotic burger guy, right? Like this, this is really meaningful when it comes to speed of service and it's really meaningful when it comes to, you know, guest experience. And, um, you know, I think one, one last thing I'll say about that further to that point is, you know, when, it, when we talk about vision and we talk about this automated order release, you're going to see, and, and you probably already have, you may not even realize it, you're going to see that delivery companies like Uber and DoorDash will reward you for being more operationally efficient than your competitors. And so if you're able to deliver that food to that driver with a minimum amount of time for that driver waiting, that driver experience is going to be positive. And, and therefore the consumer experience is going to be positive because everything becomes more predictable in that, in that delivery chain. And that's really key and critical. Um, I don't know that you've watched any of the, of the news, but there's an awful lot of dis, uh, distrust from the, you know, the driving community, the folks that are, are doing the ride sharing uh, about these orders and how far they have to go and how much each order is worth. And so anything we can do to help improve their experience as part of this puzzle, I think, ultimately also helps to improve, you know, the consumer experience, the brand's experience and so on. It's just, it pays dividends, uh, in my opinion. On the second side of that question, I think the other thing you need to be looking at from an automation perspective is in the kitchen um, and not Flippy the burger, but, but you know, the warming equipment, the, the hold times of your, of your food, all those areas are huge places you can, um, that have demonstrable, you know, improvements to your ROI. And so if you're not looking at that stuff, you need to be, um, there's a lot of really great innovation out there that, um, that is in the kitchen automation side of things. And, and we see more of that on the horizon for sure. So Chris, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I want to get a little bit later to the customer experience side of this, because I think that that's an important thing. Cause I think all, all the brands that listen to this, you know, care, well, what are my customers going to think? But before we touch on that, you, you know, you guys have both said some really interesting technology advancements that you know might even start to sound kind of sci-fi like but i know a, a, a practical question that the coos the cmos the cios have you know in these discussions is well is it market ready like is is this technology actually something like that sounds great and i would love to implement that at my brand but is it truly market ready like it can actually be used rather than just be you know an experimental thing Chris, I'll tee you up first uh, on the market ready question, as well as, you know, you know, are there some things that are more ready for deployment than others? Where are we on the realistic side of this? Yeah. So, you know, from a market ready perspective, here's a couple of things that I'll say. You know, first, we've had pilots of this technology going on for the past two to three years. And so you, you're, we're not showing you anything or talking about anything that hasn't been actually put out in the field and tested. And, and we've gotten real world user data off of. So it is from that point, real and ready. And that's one of our sort of taglines. We want to sell you guys stuff that's real and ready. We want to talk about things that are real and ready. It does sound sci-fi-ish and, and maybe a little scary, but um, the reality is that the future is here. And, um, you know, those that don't embrace this technology will probably be left behind. Um, and, and sort of the last thing I'll say about that is when you work with a company like ours, uh, and we're owned, uh, you know, we're Xenial, we're owned by Global Payments, we're a global payments company. 
when we decide we're going to get into a market, when we decide we're going to innovate and do something, we have the the resources and backing of a fairly um, a fairly large, you know, Fortune 500 company behind us. We're not um, we're not out here as a startup uh, experimenting and seeing if we can succeed. We we will we won't take on these commitments lightly. Yeah, I'll I'll add to that, Andy. Uh, market ready is a uh, it's. It's it's a it's an interesting term now because a loaded term. Yeah, normally normally from a from a company perspective, you know, and Chris said we, we you go through pilots, but then the pilots are quickly converting themselves into real world opportunities. So we've had things with the digital menu board solutions and the drive throughs that have been in place not just in pilot but in production for for the better part of the last two years, in particular, with some of the innovative work that we're talking about. We're what we're seeing now is is as much of a pull from the customer side as it is a, a push from us as, a, as, as an offering mm-hmm. entity. Um, you know, they, they see the need from a, t- and I don't believe it's sci-fi right now at all, Andy. I, it's, these are real, real world applications. And, and Chris mentioned, uh, you know, being part of a global payments uh, overall and some of the partnerships, the Google partnership that we just uh, signed on recently. And Chris and I have been working through, you know, just think about that experience from, uh, you know, using Google Maps where we integrate that with the technology. That's, that's not a far, it sounds sci-fi and technology, but you'll know if you search uh, or you have a destination where you're going to get to and it pops up a concept that we support, a brand that we support, not only can it pop up their menu, but direction specific there, the ability to order direct order injection into their kitchen itself. And then the time for you to go and pick it up, a space where you're going to sit until that food is brought out to you. That's it sounds uh, it, it's it sounds like it's uh, in the future, but that's now. And again, you know, we'll we'll know when you come in based on the surveillance system, and again, all in adherence with federal and state privacy laws, of course, no matter what. Uh, but you know, that's that's the technology that's available to us now, and we are getting pulled in those directions. Uh, again, I said it before; there's still the basics of of same store sales that has to whatever we do has to improve what they're doing inside a same store, it has to improve their speed of service. If we stick to those two foundational uh, principles with the technology that we're building, then it gets rolled out very quickly. Yeah, I think you, you so you, you touched on the, the sci-fi aspect of it and I'm with you, right? I'm, I'm right here in the trenches having fun, you know, with all of these types of solutions. So I think the three of us might agree that this isn't sci-fi. It actually really is something that's, you know, yeah. here. Um, but Joe Public might not agree with us, right? And there might be some hesitancy or public perception um, around automation. So I wanted to t- take a moment for you guys to both kind of address the consumer experience side of this. And, and, and how, what do you guys think about, um, you know, helping the folks listening to this who are, who are the, the people who are just like us trying to solve this at their restaurant brands? Um, how do we handle the consumer perception of this, how do we handle that side of the conversation? Because there can be some contention there. Scott, I, I'll, I'll throw it up to you first. And again, it's the it's the pull from the consumer. I think the world has changed, I mean, given the last year or more, with how people want to do business inside a given brand or or, or store or concept, or or it could be fast casual, it could be QSR. It doesn't matter. That experience is now it's it's forever changed. We we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about the drive through. But they, they want these options. They want the opportunity. And, and Chris brought up the Uber experience. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked about 
the ability to do what you can do on your phone has changed more than ever before. So, you know, I, I, I feel like the consumer has, they've made the decision that the industry has to change and we're not going back. Um, you know, we, we could talk about, and you know, Andy, I didn't want to pass up what, cause you answered, asked the question early on about payments and integration. I mentioned with POS solution overall, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, as, as a consumer myself, you know, having the ability on a drive to be able to do everything that we've discussed is it's, it's a prerequisite from you ordering from your store. If you don't have that, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the time to do anything traditional. I don't know the wait time. I don't know what's going on at the drive-through. Uh, and I'm, you know, it, it, I think it's, it's extended past just what you would say, which is a standard demographic for technology savvy individuals. It's not just the 18 to 25 market. You are going well past that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would press everyone on, on this podcast to find someone that doesn't have a phone or a very uh, a strong ability to use that phone with the technologies that are available to it. Cause you know, if, if you don't, you know, you're going to have a, a tough time getting, getting your food, getting a reservation, uh, you know, bringing up maps. So yeah, they're pulling us. The consumers are pulling us. They're not afraid. Uh, they're, they're thirsty for this technology. Yeah. That's a great answer. Chris, what, what do you think about the, uh, the consumer perception of automation and, ways that brands can help, you know, message that and address those things. I mean, I would go back to ride sharing before that came on the scene, your transaction with a cab driver was, um, was anonymous, right? It was an anonymous transaction. You know, there was no need to really exchange any details or information. And now all of a sudden, uh, because of convenience, you've decided as a consumer that it's totally worth it to give up your identity and where you're going, literally. Um, and so, you know, I think the same is true here. Uh, the, it just comes down to consumer experience. People will embrace convenience. Um, it's been proven over and over again. And so the idea that as I drive up to the, the restaurant and if I, this minute I get on the parking lot, the restaurant's aware that I am there and my order is ready and someone's walking out to my car before I even have a chance to fumble with my phone or figure out how to where to park or what to do. If, if that order is coming through my window in front of my face and I'm hungry, I'm, I, you won from my perspective. And I, I don't think that's a demographic issue. I think that's just, it's going to feel like extraordinary service. And I mean, who doesn't want that? You know, that's a hundred percent convenience and speed of service. And that was the closed thought because you did it and I didn't is you've already paid. And if you haven't paid, there's touchless payment associated with that, given how, how your comfort level with that too. So it's, it's just, it's all tied together. Everything is bundled. Uh, and I, I, I'll go back to how that all ties into the success of a given store or a store operator or a brand overall with the analytics associated with the success factors of each of those. I mean, we saw it was a CNBC article, I believe it was Chipotle, where in the fourth quarter last year, their, their mobile ordering, Chipotle. Uh, you know, we're not talking about a traditional drive-through solution or a traditional mobile yeah. solution. The percentages of that same of of those same store mobile orders, those online orders, just skyrocketed. I I want to quote a percentage, but I don't want to misquote. Um, but I it was it was well north of thirty percent of their orders or more in that fourth quarter. I want to go higher than that, but I won't. Somebody will hopefully Google this that listens to this podcast and will fact check me. Um, well, our, our our own experience, our own data tells us that we're five x um, or five x volume over pre pandemic levels, and that 
that's not something that's gone away. It's sustained. It's a sustaining effect. Um, and the market has just changed. The hockey stick on that alone from Chris, March and April of last year, we, we went from, we went up to, I think, a, a 1.4 or 5 billion in calendar year 2020. We'll do two and a half to $3 billion in recorded sales. Cloud solutions are right. included. It's everything's changed. And, and that's, that's 10x of what we had done previously. People were adopting. Yeah. But, that, but Andy, that's an important point because that goes back to your question from before about consumer and store adoption. It's, it, they have to. Uh, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship between the two because if you don't have the ability, it, it, what's going to be offered, how it's going to be offered has changed. So we all have to adapt. We all, it's, it's, it's iterative from a technology perspective and it's evolution from a consumer and a brand perspective. Well, and it's also, I think, you know, a revolution in terms of technology that's been happening right now. I think I think some of the conversations that I've had either with people in the industry or just, you know, no, normal, regular, non-industry people that, you know, I get to talk to because they know I work in this industry has been this kind of like, oh, my gosh, all this changing in technology is, you know, it, it's terrible. It's going to make people are going to lose jobs and it's going to. You know, it's stuff, and, and I think I always point them back to, you know, when, when the loom was invented in the textile industry or when steam engines came along or the computer. I mean, there was a whole group of people who are like, this is going to be the end of that industry as we, you know, for worse as we know it. You know, all these people are going to lose jobs. We're going to put people out of jobs. And a lot of people will look at things like mm -hmm. kiosks and automations in the restaurant right. industry and say the same thing. And I always point them back to history and say, oh, if you look at those things, those things took that industry and, and just jacked them full of, you know, rocket yeah, yeah. fuel and it changed the game. Andy, your, your example of kiosks are spot on because I referenced that before. You know, we've actually seen how that it doesn't it changes the labor scheduling from an, an individual taking the orders to an individual actually completing the orders, putting the sandwiches together, for example. And you see that. So it's not a replacement of labor as much as it is a shift. And, you know, back to the, to, to the foundational reasons that, that a brand will, or an operator or a store will invest in this technology, is they want same store improvements. So mm -hmm. the more, the faster they're coming through the store, the more people making the sandwiches, the more sandwiches going out, the more burgers, the more chicken, the more donuts, the more coffee that they're selling. That's the important part. Right. And the technology has been an enabler. Um, I can't believe you're too young to know the, the phrase loom. So that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm a weirdly very well-read millennial. <laughs> so all those things, though, like with the loom, right, uh, or the steam engine or any of those things in this industry, there's an incredible cost to starting that up and then to kind of betting on it, right? But the factories that bet on this ridiculously expensive technology, for instance, back in the you know, early 1800s uh, in the textile industry with the loom, you know, they actually were like, oh, my gosh, they, their output increased so much. And it changed the game and they got a return on investment. And I think that that's one of the things that a lot of people listening to this podcast, when they think about automation, is one of the things that's got to be on the tops of their mind. And Chris, I'll tee you up first for this and then we'll go to you, Scott, on this. But it is not cheap to do some of the things that we're talking about, right? There is a dollar sign 
uh, associated with this that can be scary in the restaurant industry because this is new, right? Um, and, and a lot of people say, okay, well, if we're going to make this investment, if we're going to spend the money to update our stores with a new type of technology or you know, sign on to this subs- additional subscription for this new service, we want to see a return on investment. And I want to kind of pose this last question to you guys of what area or is there a specific type of product that you believe right now is the best return on investment that restaurant leadership should be looking at from a technology perspective? Chris, I'll let you go first. Wow. Well, I, I mean, a few things to think about there. First, um, when you think about where you're spending your time, where you're spending your energy, if you don't have a few irons in the fire on these future forward-facing technology investments, um, then you're really not a part of sort of, to your point, the next generation of restaurants and technology, right? Uh, we see this a lot where folks are, are taking a look back and looking at uh, parts of their organization which are not necessarily forward-facing or future-facing or guest-facing even, um, and you know, taking on projects that are outside of this area. But the customers that we see, and, and we saw this true uh, too in the pandemic, during the pandemic, the customers who had taken a few steps ahead were well-positioned when the world changed. And, and I think that's got to be true in this case. So while it looks expensive now, prices will come down, you know, the, the technology will become more mainstream. But the more you brought it in, the more you understand it, the more likely you are to be able to use it. And when the consumer behavior and expectation changes, the more likely you are to be ahead of that change versus behind it. Um, and, and I think that that we, is something we see repeatedly. Um, if you're ahead of it, you're ahead. And if you're behind, well, then you've got to work twice as hard to catch up and and so that's that's what I think from a from a what should you do right now? What's the thing that would turn return on investment immediately? Um, anything related to upsell and cross sell, um, evaluating your your cashiers and, and understanding how effectively you're doing that. So whether that's through a kiosk or whether that's through you know your online tools, but upsell and cross sell has proven over and over again, when done well, increase top line check averages. And, uh, and so I think that's an easy place to, to spend time and focus. Yeah. And so upsell, cross sell, I won't say that any better than, than Chris said that you're also talking about, Hey, any investment, any, uh, when we evaluate assessments, when Chris and I evaluate technology to bring into our business, I, the, the questions and in, in we're broken records that I'll, I'll put out there is, how are we generating more revenue or how are we saving? What's our cost savings associated with that? There's no business that's different uh, than us. Stores uh, in, in any brand will, will concur. So if you don't upgrade to a cloud-based technology now that will help reduce your cost, uh, then you're going to be behind. So when you bring in something like a kiosk, there's an upfront investment, but it's also tied into an existing, you have to have a POS solution to run y- your, your stores. Having that that cloud-based offering that will run the kiosks, but will also in turn do everything that we've talked about leading up to this conversation is a must. And that is, in many instances, cost neutral uh, based on um, how it's priced out in the marketplace right now. You're, you've been paying for a POS. Uh, you know, one of the things that we offer that I think is fantastic is at least to start, you know, we recommend that you have the more advanced hardware solutions, but we're hardware agnostic. You know, we can come in and, and flash any point of sale terminal that you have, given that it's not a you know a ten year old terminal or whatever it is that can maintain a specific technology, but within reason. 
Um, and then we work with you over a period of time for those investments. So it, you, you, there's things that you have to do to stay, to stay current, um, to help with cost savings. Uh, and then, of course, at the same time, that enables you foundationally to push for the technologies that will drive that top line revenue improvement that Chris was talking about. Yeah, I think that that's totally true. I think, you know, if we look at how we invest, how how Xenio looks at the future of restaurant technology, which I think might be interesting to some folks, it, is, you know, we, we look at uh, what what could potentially be coming and we're experimenting with things as we go, right? So so this voice automation, uh, this this next generation drive-through controller that we're bringing to market, this is technology that that, like I mentioned, has been you know, in the back burner inside our labs for the last two two to three years. Um, the reality of that is, you know, at the time we started that conversation, there wasn't anyone banging on our door, but, you know, we had to be just a little bit ahead of the curve, put a few irons in the fire about things that might be important to our customers um, in the future. And so similarly, just like we make those sort of leading edge investments, those small uh, chips on the table, if you will, uh, of what might come out to fruition, um, you know, those are, those are areas that, that we think uh, our customers need to be aware of too. And, you know, thankfully we have the leading edge experience. We're bringing that to you. We've, we've done the pre-work up to this point and we've had the industry knowledge. And, and like you mentioned before, the conversations with a lot of different folks to be able to inform the decisions about what we're actually investing in, which has a dramatic impact on whether or not what you're getting from us as a V1 or V2 product is going to be viable and valuable in your, in your, in your locations. And I think that, you know, is a piece, is a piece of the puzzle that differentiates us um, as a brand and as a, as a, a solution offering. Um, you know, I'll just give you another example. We, for a long time, we're looking at, you know, camera and image recognition, thinking that it had applicability in the kitchen and probably still does. Um, but, you know, we had developers with cameras pointed down at their desk and, and uh, overlaying, you know, food instruction at it um, for, for some time, right? Well, it turns out that that technology was incredibly useful in the drive-through, identifying cars, makes some models and colors. And so this initial work we're doing doesn't always turn into the final product, but through that experience and through those conversations, you're getting a huge benefit by bringing us along with you um, to be able to, to bring solutions that are practical and have real ROI and value to your businesses. Chris is right. As we continue to, to put more R&D dollars into future and being innovative, these it, it only highlights, I mentioned the Google partner, partnership not long ago, but it highlights the need for us to stay ahead of the curve as, the, as you, know, you know, we can continue to suggest to the marketplace what we see, but the marketplace is also, it's its, it's, it's, its own roadmap. We follow that roadmap based on the needs and what happens in the, I mean, nobody predicted what was going to happen in the last year. No, nobody saw that, that coming, uh, but it changed everything. If we had not been in the position we are to, to present these solutions today, we would have, we would have been behind and that would have been unfortunate. So that's one of the things that, that, that Chris does a fantastic job of with uh, what we have available. And he mentioned being part of global payments, our investment strategy can be very aggressive internally foreseeing what we're going to do in the future. And, and the things that we see coming with, with car technology uh, of the, the future, I, I, there's so many things on the roadmap I can't you know, bring up now, but it's very exciting what we're going to be able to do for some of um, 
some of the ability to, to inside your car uh, itself uh, with the car technology that's even outside your phone, um, you know, be useful for us in the future. So I, it's, it's all very exciting to see where it's going to, to take us. Yeah, I completely agree. Gentlemen, this, this is great. This is exactly what I was hoping we'd, we'd get out of you guys. This is a really exciting topic. I think a lot of people are gonna, are gonna really appreciate it. So thank you, Chris and Scott for participating today. Uh, thank you for our audience for listening. If you have questions, you know, we always, as you can tell, we love to talk about this. We love to tell you about the things that we're investing in um, and where we where we see this going and some of the conversations we're having. It's, it's really exciting and fun stuff, especially if you're into, if you're into technology. So join us next time on the Table Stakes podcast for a dash of innovation, a pinch of technology, a tablespoon of business strategy, and a generous measure of good humor. We'll talk to you later. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to suggest a topic or guest for an upcoming episode, we want to hear from you. You can reach us at tablestakes at zenial.com. Tablestakes is produced by Michael Kowalski. Our audio engineer is Joseph Hawk, and I'm your host, Andy Grindstad.